thankful for the Christmas story. I'm going to read verses 57 to 80. And if you'd follow along silently. Now Elizabeth's full time came that she should be delivered, and she brought forth a son. And her neighbors and her cousins heard how the Lord had showed great mercy upon her, and they rejoiced with her. It came to pass that on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they called him Zacharias after the name of his father. His mother answered and said, Not so, but he shall be called John. And they said unto her, There is none of thy kindred that is called by this name. And they made signs to his father how he would have called him. And he asked for a writing table and wrote, saying, His name is John. And they marveled all. And his mouth was opened immediately, and his tongue loosed. And he spake and praised God. And fear came on all that dwelt round about them. And all these sayings were noised abroad throughout all the hill country of Judea. And all they that heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What manner of child shall this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. And his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people, and hath raised up an horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. And he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he sware to our father Abraham, that he would grant us that we, being delivered out of the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his showing unto Israel. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we just want to thank you, dear God, again for the, the wonderful passages of Scripture that we open today. Thank you, dear God, that we were reminded about the, the great miracle of your birth. Thank you, dear God, that is indeed a, 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 an event in history that is worth remembering and celebrating and rejoicing in. Lord, even in the very first uh, Christmas, the time that you were born, your, your angel said that this was glad tidings of great joy. And so we thank you that we can, Lord, hear from your very word how that night came about and how your birth uh, was, was given in prophecy and came to be. And then, Lord, to realize that a Savior was born that day. And so I pray that you'd help us this morning as we open your word. And, Lord, we, we've read a passage of Scripture that speaks about another miraculous birth. So I pray that you'd help us to learn some lessons from it this morning. Again, thank you for each one here. I pray that you'd bless as we listen to your word this morning in Jesus' most precious, holy, wonderful name. Amen. You may be seated. And well, I wanted to say thank you for being faithful to church this morning, and particularly if you're guests of our church, thank you for coming, and we're glad that you're here with us. Well, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture here that we just read, and we understand that Christmas is all about the birth of Jesus Christ, but if you read through the passages of Scripture that lead up to the birth of Christ, we 
understand that where we are in the book of Luke, uh, Mary has just been with her cousin uh, Elizabeth for a time, and so now Mary was departing from her time with her. And probably somewhat encouraged because of what God was doing in Elizabeth's life, but I'm sure a part of her a bit nervous about the fact that she was now going to go to Joseph and to her family to tell of the news of her own pregnancy, of her own miraculous birth. And, and so all of these were, were somewhat swirling in her heart. And yet what we read here is in verse 57 really is three months later from that time of birth. We know earlier that the Bible says that uh, Mary went to visit, visit Elizabeth after being six, uh, Elizabeth being six months pregnant. And now three months later, the birth had come. And so three months later is where we are reading here in verse 57, and Elizabeth is going to give birth. And again, I want to emphasize that this was a miraculous birth. This birth was given to, to, uh, to Elizabeth and Zacharias uh, really in their old age, and as a result of, uh, of God's, just, uh, God's gifting to them, God's grace upon them, God's favor upon them, they have a child in their old age. And we know earlier that that indeed Elizabeth prayed and Zacharias prayed throughout their life for this great, uh, great miracle to happen. And, and no doubt throughout the, that process, they would have at times feared that it was too late. And no doubt as they thought about their age and they thought about the time of life they found themselves in, they probably had pretty much given up all hope. And yet what we read there in, um, in the earlier passage in Luke chapter 1, uh, we see that, that God is the God of the impossible, isn't He? And so this was indeed a miraculous birth, and He answers their prayer and gives them the desire of their heart, a son, a child. And so we see here that the message is in fact how the unexpected has become the anticipated. It was all unexpected, and yet for those months as Elizabeth saw her, her, her growing child in her, it was then to become anticipated what was originally unexpected. What was once an impossible situation was now to come to be. And so what we see here is God, in His grace and His favor and His goodness, He grants a desire of, of Elizabeth and Zacharias' heart. And, and you know, we often we think about all of the characters of the Bible, and particularly you, who are somewhat familiar with the Scriptures. You understand who John the Baptist is, right? John the Baptist will eventually become uh, the, the great prophet the great uh, one who would be the forerunner of Christ. And yet, prior to us knowing of John the Baptist as that, you know who he really was initially? He was just a child of two parents who had prayed and sought for the Lord. He, he was a child. He was a firstborn son of Elizabeth and Zacharias. And, and what we learn in this story is, is as we observe these, this couple once again, in this first miraculous birth in the Christmas story, we understand there that, that, that they responded in a certain way. They responded to the blessing of God in a certain way. And you know, the Christmas season is usually a season of giving, isn't it? Think about all of the, the people that we want to give a gift to. But you know, in the same token, it's also a time of receiving. There's many gifts, and perhaps throughout this year, you've been desiring of the Lord a certain thing. Perhaps you've been asking Him for a certain uh, uh, turning of events in your life. Maybe a, a certain, uh, certain um, desire that you have that is a good desire. And God in His grace has granted that to you, has given that to you. 
I wonder how you responded. I wonder how we respond when God gives us goodness and favor and grace in our lives. And by the way, as you observe your life today, we live in a bountiful country and we live in a time where there is much convenience. And, and guess what? You know, we ought to have the mindset and the heart that, boy, God is good to us, isn't He? Boy, God has been gracious in gifting us every day of our lives. And, and if there was nothing else we can consider a gift, just another day is a gift. And you think about it, though, this great desire that Elizabeth and Zacharias had was given. And you know, there's many things that are given in our lives by God. And so how do you respond to that? You know, as I started to look at the passage of Scripture here, I, I realized some things that this faithful couple, that, that, that how they responded to God's gift to them. See, when God brings a desire to eventuality, how do we respond? You know, often we can make the mistake of getting what we desired and forgetting the giver of our desire. You know, it's like um, when we get an answer to prayer, we rejoice in the answer to prayer. But we, do we rejoice in God? When, when we've been praying for a while, when we've been asking God to do something in our lives that, that is a, a burden, that has brought us maybe even sorrow, and, and God has brought that and turned that around, how do we respond to that? How do we respond when all of those things that, that we had asked for God does? You know, it's, it's, like, it's like through the year, you, you, I don't know about you, but my children... They, they get on to asking for what they would like very early on. And I, and I know, in fact, that already as they're thinking about Christmas, they've hinted all year what they would like under the tree. Any other children that way? No, just my children? Pray for us then. Pray for us. Any parents that way, hinting to their spouse? Anyway, you, you sort of, the, you're, you're asking and then, you know, there's a, sometimes you get what you're asking for. So you're sort of going, well, it looks like the box. And so you're, you're, you're going through and, and finally your parents finally listen to you and you're going to get what you wanted. And you know, isn't that exciting when you, you know you're going to get what you want? It's far more exciting for me. And, and it's like getting that gift and opening it and indeed it was and then just getting carried away with the gift and forgetting about the goodness of the person that gave it to you in the first place. You know, you open it up and you, you, you rejoice and you get, have fun with that thing and then you forget to say thank you. You forget to perhaps respond correctly uh, or even at times you respond in, in, a, in a manner that's not fitting to the gift. Or even we mistreat the gift that we've been given. Maybe it's slightly the wrong color. Maybe it's slightly the wrong uh, shape or, 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 um, and we become irresponsible with the gift that is given us. And you know what? That doesn't communicate really anything about the gift. It really communicates what we feel about the person more than what we think of the gift that what was once maybe even unexpected. And you know, sometimes we treat God that way. Sometimes we look at the, 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 the situations of our lives and indeed God has been good to us and then we forget about the one who has been good to us. And yet what we find and what we're, we're comforted is we're assured by in this story of the character of the parents of this great prophet. We see that Elizabeth and Zacharias, they were, they were in awe of this great blessing. 
they were in greater awe, though, of the one who gifted them with such a miraculous thing. And so we're going to look at the story and glean from how this faithful couple responded to God's unexpected gift to them, the birth of their son, John the Baptist. And so notice verses 57 to 63 there, and and I hope that you have a copy of the Word of God. If not, follow along in your notes. Notice firstly how they responded when God gifted them some goodness. He responded firstly by obeying God's will for the gift. Obeying God's will for the gift. And notice in verse, uh, verse 57 to 63, they, that she, she delivered the child. She brought forth a son. And notice that the crowd, they, they were around her rejoicing and anticipating. And they just assumed because of all the weight that they were going to name the child after the father, Zacharias. But, but the mother answered and said, his name's going to be called John. And you know, you might not think that's a very significant thing, but earlier on in the chapter, we know when the angel announced the birth of John, that indeed she was instructed by the angel from God that they should name the child John. And so even in this very thing, they were obedient to the will of God for the gift. See, from the very outset, the desire of the couple was for the will of the giver of the gift to be followed. Their heart to obey It wasn't swayed by the jubilation that they found in their own hearts and even those that surrounded them. And you know what I I realize? You know, often God's announcements come with God's instructions. You know, often when God gifts us something, it comes with His instruction about it. See, our obedience of them, it's not the thing that's going to determine Him giving us the gift. You know, if if God never gave us gifts because He knew we were going to disobey with that gift, none of us would have gifts. None of us would have His goodness. So it's not determined by that. But here's what I'm saying, though. Our obedience, though, it evidences our heart for the giver of that gift. You see, we might get carried away with the goodness of God. But I wonder if we get carried away with the, the will of God and, the, and obeying God's will for all of His gifting. It's like, you know, when you give your children sometimes a present for Christmas, they get all excited about it. And you tell them, right, the instruction is, don't open until Christmas. And you know, that's very difficult for children. In fact, it's even difficult for some um, adults, all right? But they get all excited about it. But you know, when, when they don't open that gift till Christmas... It really doesn't evidence really their, how much they love the gift. When they obey in that, they evidence how much they love the person giving them the gift. But when we obey in the instructions for the, the gifting that God gives us, what we find is really, it's, it's an attitude or a mindset that really tells us about the gift giver. And so what we find is Elizabeth and Zacharias obeying what God had previously instructed them. We know in verses 13 to 17, some specific instructions. Nine months prior, these were given to, uh, to Elizabeth, given to Zacharias, and it, was inclu- it included certain details and special instructions. And you know, God does that because so often, so often we forget about Him when it comes to His, His goodness upon us. So often we forget about Him. You see, when God gives us gifts, when God gives us answers to prayer, when God gives us His goodness and His blessing, He often will give us some instructions. He'll often give us from His Word 
uh, some specific things. And even in our spirit, even as He witnesses to us, He gives them some specific things. And, And you think about Israel. Remember, as they journeyed into the promised land, God understood the goodness that He was about to give them. In fact, all those years in Egypt as they toiled in slavery, they had no idea that God was going to send a Redeemer and one day they were going to be on this journey to eventually be in the Promised Land. But here they were. And God had set them free. And they were on their way. And yet God understood the human nature. God understood their heart. And He instructs them in Deuteronomy chapter 29, Verse 29, the secret things belong unto the Lord our God. But those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever. And the last bit says this, that we may do all the words of the Lord. And so what he was saying to them is they have a tendency to to disregard God's will when we receive His goodness and His blessing upon our lives. We, We have a tendency to disregard instruction. And so he's reminding them, and this is a good reminder for us, that often God's blessings come with God's instructions. And I wonder how you respond to God's blessing upon our lives. Do you respond by obeying His will for that? Do you respond by by following carefully the instructions He gives us for His gift? You know, sometimes we make promises to God. You know, sometimes we, we... we bargain with God. I remember when I was getting my learner's, I uh, got my learner's license and I started to learn how to drive. And, and you know, I was not a very good driver. And my wife would tell you, you're still not a very good driver. But you know, when I was trying to get my license, um, I was just, I was a nervous teenager, just by nature. And so if I was in the car with traffic, I was nervous. And so, you know, I went through, and I, 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 we didn't have to do hours back then. And uh, some of you teenagers are immediately jealous about that. But, you know, we didn't have to do hours back then. We could just get our learners. And then really, I think at that time, six months later, you could go for your license. And so, you know, six months passed, and I booked my test, and, and I went in. In fact, I think the second time, I think uh, Pastor June came with me because my dad had worked that morning, and I, had to, I need to have an adult witness. And and that tells you a little bit of the story. I didn't go the first time. I didn't get the second time. And I failed the third time. Can you believe that? That's how bad I was, all right? But failed the third time. And finally, my fourth go, and I had, and here's what was happening. I had four days before my license expired. I had to redo the learners. So I'm under pressure. And, and you know, I remember that week I was praying. I said, Lord, if you would let me get my license, I, I promise you I will use my driving to pick up kids for church and use it for your glory. And, and I was praying all of that. And, and I remember getting that morning and I felt the sense of like peace and calm over me. And I did get my license. Okay, I didn't get it out of a cereal box, all right? But I got my license and finally I did. And, you know, I, I remember God reminding me, you said this and this is my... And he held me to that. You know, and I did for a little while. That was really one of my first ministries in church. I was in kids' ministry. Some of you here who are young adults, you were in our kids' ministry. And I'll tell you what, I got better, didn't I? Because you're still alive, all right? I didn't kill anyone. <laughs> and so there it was. There was um, some, sometimes God gives us some specific instructions based on maybe some of the things we tell him. 
But I wonder when he, he gives us His goodness or His gifting, I wonder if we obey those things. I wonder if we hold up our end of the bargain. I wonder if, if those instructions are, are, still, are still obeyed. And this faithful couple, they were given these kinds of details about their son. It was, they were given instruction. And they obeyed. They obeyed in the details, and his name is John. It's very specific, isn't it? You know, this was clearly given as part of the instruction. This was a detail they had rehearsed and submitted to, and often we can miss the details of God's instructions to us. And therefore, we can't obey His will. We can't do what we neglect to know. And I wonder if we just know, you know, Eve's mistake was this. She was really negligent of God's instructions. In fact, the the serpent played on that, didn't he? Yea, hath God said? And do you remember the details of God's instruction to you? And that's why we ought to pay attention to God's Word. That's why we ought to listen to His still small voice. And what I'm saying is no detail is insignificant. You know, they could have they really, they were the parents. They could have chosen any name, but they were, they were faithful to the instruction. His name is John. John means God is gracious. And they gave that name. We don't know why God picked that name for this child particularly. But indeed, it was a name, but it was a detail. They, they obeyed in, despite pressure. We read earlier in verses 61 to 62, there were those who were around their neighbors and cousins and relatives who were, were around during the birth. And they were excited, of course, for her. But there were certain traditions and there were certain societal expectations of what to name this child after and who to name this child after. And they even questioned, there's none of thy kindred that is called by this name. And so there was this pressure to, to really just do what was expected of others. They, they had familial and societal and traditional pressures, yet obedience to God to them was much more important. And you know, today, you know, sometimes the in the goodness and the gifting of God upon our lives, there are some familial, there are some societal, and there's even traditional pressures put upon us. There's those things that, that you know, the world expects what, what, what we ought to do with our money, our time, our talents, all of those giftings of God, and, and the world has certain expectations of what we are to do with them. And, and I want to say to you Christians this morning that that doesn't really matter what others expect and think about those kind of things that God has given in our lives. It only matters that we obey God's will about it because it's Him that we ought to please. And no detail and no instruction is irrelevant when it comes to pleasing and obeying the will of the Father. And so we too have those pressures to conform. Yet what, we ought to, what ought to matter most is our obedience to our Lord. And so firstly, I want you to note that with the gift, they obeyed the will of God for, the, for that gift. But then secondly, I want you to note in verses 64 to 66, that, that as, as the, the birth came, really great news of that traveled around. And, and you, you could imagine that, you know, in that day there was no social media, there was no news service to, to sort of broadcast this event that was happening. And yet, there, there was still enough there that, that this miraculous birth was he- heard all around. This, this event happened and everyone wanted to know about it. 
And what we find, though, is out of Zacharias' lips, notice verse, uh, verse 64, and his mouth was opened immediately and his tongue loose. Remember what happened? John, uh, sorry, Zacharias doubted, didn't he? He was in, a, in, in doubt and in unbelief and, and God sealed his tongue and sealed his lips for a time. But notice now, he wrote the name. He said his name was, is going to be John. And then now he, his tongue is loosed. And notice what comes out of his mouth. And he spake and praised God. And here's the, here's the next thing I want you to note. You know, if God gifts you, if God shows you his goodness, are you going to obey him in his will for that? But secondly, they credited God's working for the gift. They, they, didn't, they didn't rejoice in themselves. They didn't just shout for joy about the child, although that was worthy of that, what came out of their lips, what came out of it was they rejoiced in God's working and they pointed it all to God. They praised God. You know, as Zacharias' tongue loosed, he gave a resounding confirmation that indeed the young child's name was to be John. And then this was paired by praise from the lips of the doting father. And notice in verse 66, and all that heard them laid them up in their hearts. They they understood this was a significant moment. And we, we know that this was noised abroad. And they said, what manner of child is this? But here's the, 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 uh, here's the conclusion they had. And the hand of the Lord was with him. See, the testimony of this miraculous birth was heard far and wide, but it wasn't their fame. It wasn't Elizabeth and Zacharias' fame that was on the agenda. It wasn't even John the Baptist really at this point that was on the agenda what was magnified and what was reverberated throughout the region was praise. But not praise for the couple. Praise to the God who gave them that gift. And I wonder when we receive the goodness of God, I wonder if, if the first things out of our lips is thanksgiving and praise, not for the gift, but praise to God. I wonder if those things that you desire, maybe those things that you've prayed for and has come about, I wonder if you would just take the time to just praise God. And, and what's heard out of your mouths, out of our mouths, when God turns the impossible into reality in our lives? What's heard? What words are uttered from our lips when God makes something of us? What witness do we give when we see God give a desire when it seems so unlikely? And, and, and you know, really for Zacharias and Elizabeth, it, it was praise, not pride. No, they didn't take pride in themselves. They didn't take pride in, in the fact that God chose them out of all of the couples in Israel for this to come to be. They didn't make much of themselves. And, and they really, as they, as they observed those things and as people observed them, what came out of their manner, what came out of their lips, what came out of their, uh, the, the things that they responded to, the way they responded to this miraculous event was none other than praise for God's working in their lives. It was praise to God. And you know what we underestimate? You know, we, we underdo in our lives is, is recognize who the praise belongs to when the good things happen in our lives. You know, it's easy to thank the human face. You know, kids, listen. It's easy to thank mom and dad. And we ought to. But ultimately, who should we thank? Ultimately, who should we give praise to? Or, or ultimately, who gets the credit for our working, and, and you know, he gave praise, not pride. 
See, the first words out of his mouth wasn't one of self-congratulations. It was one of praise toward God. And often, here's what happens when, when something comes of our lives. We can be guilty of patting ourselves first on the back. And, and you ought to thank God for what He's doing, but you ought to thank Him directly and not be puffed up about that. It was praise, not pride. It was miracle, not man. In, in verse 65, fear came, the Bible says, on all that dwelt round about them. You know why? Because they understood this wasn't merely man. This wasn't merely some, some sort of, um, uh, some sort of a medical thing that they, uh, they, uh, they used to be able to get, uh, get, uh, conceive and now give birth. Th- this was no mere man-made solution. This was indeed a miracle. And they heard and they noised it abroad. There was an understanding that's, that God's hand was all over this. And, and, you know, throughout this, there was no real acknowledgement of the couple's character faithfulness. Although God does record it for us, there was no mention really of how deserving the couple was. This was indeed all about the miraculous working of God, not man. You know, the sad, sad thing is this. Sometimes we only do things to be seen of man. So sometimes the reason why we give gifts to others is so that we could get gifts back. Sometimes we do things out of show as men pleasers and as, as those that would, would just be seen to do. I wonder what's the reality of the condition of our heart. I wonder if we do things out of just a desire to give God glory and praise like He deserves. I wonder when those good things come, I wonder if we shout that from the rooftop about us or we shout that from the rooftop about God. I wonder when we, when we celebrate in great joy of good things that God does, I wonder if we take the time to give God the credit. See, our nature seeks for credit. Our nature desires praise. And I'm saying we ought to give credit where credit is due. However, what would be known about us, what would be known about us when people observe us in that way? Will they attribute what happens in your life to the hand of God? Or do they simply just praise your character? Or do you you quickly deflect that to praise and honor to our great God? Because with Zacharias, the first words out of his lips were praise. Praise to God. And you can imagine, just as they observed, those around them observed this great miracle, it would have been easy. It would have been easy for Elizabeth and Zacharias to point to themselves. But you know, they did. They credited God for His working. I wonder if we do that. Then the last thing is this. They fulfilled God's purpose for the gift. In verses 67 to 80, there's, a, there's a, really a, this passage here that, that really was a song of praise from Zacharias. But you know what's instructive for, for us is really there was a lot of recognition about what, what this child was for. And we ought to recognize what the purpose of God's goodness is upon our lives. See, they fulfill God's purpose for the gift. And, you know, Zacharias prophesied here after months of silence. His oration really was an outpouring of joy that was in him, but also perhaps the knowledge that he had gleaned from the angel, and then also from Mary's visit. Remember, Mary was there for several weeks and, and had spent time in their house, and no doubt 
even as we read earlier and earlier part of this chapter, there were things that she knew that God had given her about the impending birth of her son, Jesus. So, so all of this is connected. Remember that John the Baptist was going to be the forerunner of Christ. And, and so, no doubt, as Zacharias sat there and they fellowshiped together prior to these births, there was much that they spoke about the Savior. See, see, this was a song about the Savior, the one whom his son, John, was going to preach about and present to the nation of Israel. And, and the faithful couple, a couple, they never lost sight of the fact that this precious gift was to be used to magnify the Lord. They didn't lose sight of that. You know, we can so easily lose sight of the use of God's goodness for, for, for His purpose. But we, we tend to think, well, God, you've given it to me, now I'm going to use it for whatever I want. Now I'm going to use it for whatever I see fit. And, and they, didn't, they, they didn't misappropriate the gift that God had given them. You know, I wonder if we've ever received something and, and misused it. And I was thinking today, you know, um, I wanted to give a gift to, uh, to one of our church, a young man in our church. So I don't know if he's here. I didn't see him earlier. Mac. Is he outside? Uh, let's get, let's get, um, I'm going to get Alan instead. Alan, you come up here. Mac missed out. I'm going to give you a gift, Alan. I'm going to give you a gift. So uh, Alan is uh, one of our young adult men. And by the way, ladies, he's still single. All right. I just thought I'd put a plug in. Is that okay? And uh, here's your gift. I'm going to bring in a gift for Alan. I, I, I bought this specially for our single guys, all right? But Alan's representing all of them. So Merry Christmas, Alan. Merry Christmas. All right, everyone know what this is? It's a exercise bike. What's it used for? Exercising. Can you, do you know how to use one of these? No. Well, it's today. Today's the day you learn. All right, let's get on here. Yeah, let's get on here. Let's get on here. So imagine, you know, I really gave this gift to Alan. By the way, this is just for illustration purposes. This is actually, this is actually the De Silva's bike. So you need to give it back later. But let's pretend I really gave it to you. And so you know, um, said Alan, you know, I appreciate you, bro. And I was just thinking about you, and I thought of this. And uh, don't read into that, all right? But, um, but I just thought, you know, you might want to use this. It's going to be good for you. Um, you know, it might even help you with just saying. Um, and so, yeah, go ahead, have fun, enjoy it. So he's going to use it. All right, go ahead, Alan. Usually you grip these. Just, just you use, yeah, you put your hands there. All right, there we go. All right, Alan's going. So imagine, you know, day one, he's all excited about the gift. He's all excited about it. He's sweating, and he's thinking, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to use this this whole year. He's all determined about it. And, and so, you know, the day uh, finishes, and, and he's, he's finished his exercise. He goes to bed. He goes back to his seat there. And then, um, and then you know, the next day, he gets, sees it, and maybe he uses it. But, you know, after a couple of months, you know what? happens sometimes with our gifts, we misuse them. We forget their purpose. 
And you know, this exercise bike was made for what? Exercising. Was it made to hang clothes on? And you know, some of you are laughing out of guilt. Because you've been gifted one of these, and this is how your one looks like today. All right? Now you look at that, and I, I imagine after a couple of months, I visit Alan again. I'm like, Alan, what are you doing, bro? This is an exercise bike, not a clothes hanger. And, and you know, imagine the rest of the year after a couple of, you know, he's missed the purpose. He's misused the gift. He's forgotten the purpose of which it was given him in the first place. But, you know, that's what we do. And, and, you know, Zacharias and Elizabeth, they could have said, well, you know what? This is our child. I mean, we waited all these years. We waited and waited, and God finally came to the party. And now he expects us to do what with it? His purpose. And, and you know what? We, we have our lives filled with gifts of God. And sometimes they're misused because we've forgotten its purpose. But you know, God's gifts comes with God's purposes. And Elizabeth and Zacharias understood somewhat what the purpose of God was for, for John the Baptist. And I wonder when God is good to us and He gives us gifts, I wonder if we're careful to consider what His purpose is for that. You know, in this Zacharias is, is ascribing purpose for John. See, the grace of God upon his life caused him to draw more to God's purpose for the gift that he had received. Firstly, he, he recognizes the preeminent. You know, for, for the, the, the heart of Zacharias poured out with the greatness of Christ. And, and really, if you think about this, this was a great example to John. You can almost imagine as he, he carried the little baby, as he sung these prophecies and sung these praises, he was praising and in, in front of John. Some of the first words he ever heard was the great purpose of Christ, was Christ. He, he understood that this child was a gift from God. He was to magnify the preeminent one. And we, here we see his understanding of Christ. He talks about God's incarnation in verse 68. God the potentate in verse 69. God prophesied in verse 70. God the Savior in verse 71. God the merciful in verse 72. And then God the covenant keeper in verses 72 to 75. And he speaks all about Christ who is God come in very flesh. And he's ascribing and to him praise, but really instructing John the Baptist. Yes, it was this God that was coming in human flesh. Yes, it is this God that John was given to serve. And let's not forget that all we have been given, whether unexpected or not, is given for the joy of serving and furthering the work of Christ. Our children, our resources, our health, our strength, our all, is for Christ. And he reminded John there, and, and, and this was a great example because later on, John would have the mentality that I'm not even worthy to, to latch the shoes on your feet. I'm not even worthy for that. And John had the attitude that he wasn't the main show. Actually, Christ was the main show. And we see the prophet 
here we see the preeminent, we see the prophet, he's told John, and thou, in verse 76, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest. See, John was going to be this transitionary figure. He, he was going to prepare the way for Christ to usher in the new covenant. And, and John was going to be a, a preacher of righteousness, pointing to Christ as the saving agent of the world. And John was going to be the one crying in the wilderness, preaching about the Prince of Peace. But all of this wasn't going to come to be if it wasn't for Elizabeth and Zacharias staying true to the purpose of their gift. Staying true to the instructions given. Staying true to those things that God had, had given them. It, it, was, it was their firstborn son. And no doubt they had their own hopes and dreams for one day having a son and for what that son will do. But they had to surrender all of that. You know why? Because Christ had a greater purpose for them. And they were willing to lay all of those things aside. Their purpose so that God's purpose can be fulfilled in John's life. But note verse 80, the preparation. And the child grew. You know, it's been my observation that children only grow when others help them grow. The, ch the child grew and waxed strong in spirit. There was a preparation. The fact was, this child was not yet whom we would later know to be John the Baptist. This child was a baby. This, ch this child still had a purpose to fulfill. And yet, they came and they, they, they came with preparation. They came with an attitude of helping this one prepare for what God had asked him to do. And God's purpose really takes preparation to fulfill. Elizabeth and Zacharias, they had to be willing for their John to undergo this preparation. You know, earlier in verses 13 to 17, really what we know about John was that he was given the vow of the Nazarite. It was a very specific vow given to certain people that they had to live a certain way. And we won't get into the ins and outs of that, but listen, John the Baptist couldn't have done it without his parents. Couldn't have done it without Elizabeth and Zacharias really putting aside all things. They had to do a lot to, to, uh, to help him keep that vow. They had to model some things. They had to rear him a certain way. And the reason why that gift found its great fulfillment was because Elizabeth and Zacharias never lost sight of the purpose God had for that gift. It wasn't misused. It was properly used. And we see later that he had time in the desert to grow and to be instructed. And, and no doubt they, as parents, they watched this unfolding this watch, they watched the unfolding of this, and you know what? They were submitted to the purpose of God. You know, many times when we get gifting, and, and whether it's children, whether it's health, whether it's an answer to prayer, we then receive it gladly and then run off with it into the sunset, never to ask again, and never to maybe check how we're doing with God's purpose for this one, this thing that God gave us. I wonder if you start your day that way. I wonder if you look at your day as a gift from God. And I wonder if you look at it and go, Lord, what would you have me to do today? What would you have me to use this day for? And I wonder if we give him that opportunity. And I wonder if we prepare ourselves. You see, your, your, your giving, that's a gift from God. But do you budget? 
That's preparation. Do you ensure that the gift God has given you fulfills its purpose? Your children, they're a gift from God. But do you raise them to follow God's plan for their lives? Your ministry, do you prepare to sacrifice and grow as the Lord purposed you to? Or is it just something you like to turn up to? Is it something that we just sort of just do on occasion if we feel like it? Are you a steward? Because that's what stewardship is. It's the proper use of His gift to you. And many times we lack preparation. We lack the attitude that we must stick to the purpose of which God gave. And much of what God has gifted us only ever comes to full effect when we give ourselves to His purpose and preparation. And this morning, I want to ask you again, how do you respond? Do you respond in obedience to, to the will of which He has given? Do you respond with praise? Are you faithful to follow the purpose that God has given for that gift? See, Elizabeth and Zacharias, they certainly found great grace from the Lord, didn't they? This child, it was a gift from God. But what was instructive is their attitude and actions indicated that not only was their heart joyful for the gift, their heart was even more so joyful for the giver. And through their obedience, through their praise, and through their faithful following of His purpose, we see this. And I wonder if we observe our lives. You know, you're going to receive a lot of good each and every day. And if you really paused and thought about it, you're gifted by God. Each day. And if you're here this morning, if you're saved, God gave you the gift of salvation of which you believe. And I wonder how you're using the gift of salvation. I wonder if you're using that as a, as a gift from God to live in a way that pleases Him. Or I wonder if you're just sort of carefree. Sort of thinking you got away with it. Sort of thinking, well, I'm saved now. I'm not going to hell. Well, I can live any way I want. Listen, that's not His purpose. His purpose is that he might, he might use you for good works. And don't forget the purpose of God. And maybe there's many other things. Maybe God has been good to you in, in many other ways, in very specific ways. And I wonder how, you, how you've responded. I wonder if we would determine in our hearts how we would respond when God answers our prayer, when God blesses, when God in His goodness is gracious to us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come before you. And Lord, we're thankful, Lord, that you are indeed a good God. We're thankful that, you know, in our times of, of seeking you, you and your graciousness, you are able to abound grace upon us, to abound blessings and goodness. And yet, Lord, there's a great, opportunity and really great importance in how we respond to that. And Lord, I pray that as we learn from this passage of Scripture that you've, you've left for us, that you'd help us, dear God, Lord, to recognize maybe some, some things in our heart that, that indicate that, Lord, we've misappropriated or misused and misunderstood even the, the gift that you've given us. I pray that you'd help us this morning. With every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around, the piano can begin to play.
And as is our custom here, we have a time.